The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good afternoon, Hoopball Mavs and Mavs Nation. Welcome to the Hoopball Mavericks podcast. We are back. Obviously, we've had two of the Dallas Maverick game preseason games that have happened so far, and we need to speak on them. But coming to speak on them, I wanted to bring in a guest, a very special guest, a guy who took out time to come speak with us. Big part of Mavs Nation, and I'm sure many of you guys know him by the name of Chris Arnold. Chris has been a part of the Mavs since 1996. He was a huge part of the Mavs 2011 championship broadcast team, and he's been serving as the game night MC since 2005. Chris, how are you? I'm doing just great, man. I appreciate it. And I've been talking about the Mavericks on the radio since 1980. Actually, the first story I ever broke in radio in Dallas was that the Dallas Mavericks were not going to be able to sign their first round draft pick, Kiki Vandeweghe. Kiki is my boy. He is now one of the vice presidents of operations for the NBA at the headquarters in New York. And 40 years, time flies. So I, I know everything I, there is to say about the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas Fort Worth. That is fantastic. A super old school name. Definitely a legend in the game. Certainly remember him from uh, not necessarily from his playing days. I'm a little younger, but I've seen the archives. I've seen videos, highlights and some game footage watching NBA TV seeing some of his um, some of his old school games. Another thing I want to ask you about, you say you started your career at 14 in Memphis. Um, if I'm if I read that and research correctly, is yes. that the case? You started in radio at the age of 14. That is correct. And I've been on the air every year, nonstop ever since. Knock on wood, God had a plan. And then, uh, like I said, that was 47 years ago, 1973. And uh just uh, last month, I've been fortunate they inducted me into the Texas Radio Hall of Fame because I've been doing it in Texas for 40 years. So, Congratulations. That is a that is a huge accomplishment. Right. If you don't mind letting our Hootball Mavericks uh, crowd know, how did you get that start at the age of 14? Did, were, did you already have family in radio? Did you just walk in? You win a contest? How did that come about? Well, I was always listening to the radio as a kid, you know, like everybody else. And uh, one day I talked my daddy into taking me up to that radio station, WLOK, for a visit. I, back then, I was like, you know, I was bold. I said, Let's, maybe I can go see what it looks like. And they actually let us come in and walk around. They Somebody gave us a quick little tour. And uh, I got to meet the staff. And back then, the they, they said, if you want to be on the radio, you had an FCC license. You had an FCC license. So you had to take a test. You could not make less than an A. And uh, if you did, you, you had to wait a whole year. If you didn't, you had to wait a whole year and try to get that FCC license. I told them I wanted to be on the radio. They said, you get that FCC license, we will put you on. And they put me on doing high school football scoreboard shows. And then they actually put me on on the weekends as a DJ. So I was a DJ and a sports reporter while I was in high school. As a freshman in high school, all the way through my high school days, um, went to University of Oklahoma, graduated with a degree in journalism there. I was working on the radio there, tested out of all the radio TV broadcast classes because I was already on the radio and had been for four years before I got there. So I was fortunate enough to do all of that. 
uh, do a TV internship in Oklahoma City at the NBC affiliate there. And then um, I was hired right when I graduated, just out of the blue. I came down to Dallas to do some job interviews and I was especially going to just go back to Memphis, but I came to Dallas because a friend said, hey, check out Dallas before you do anything. So K104 hired me right on the spot in, in 1980, May of 1980. I wanted to be a DJ back then because I was actually making a lot of money when I was in college DJing. And uh, I did have a sports background too, but I, I didn't want to be a, a, a sports uh, announcer at a, a music station because I was like, y'all not gonna pay any money on that. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, I was getting the best of both worlds. I was um, covering all the, the games, you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, track, tennis, archery, rodeo, auto racing, horse racing, you name it, Cowboys, Mavericks, stars weren't there yet. Um, you know, you just name it. I was covering all the college, high school, everything. And they said, they would always say, you can't keep that up, can you? And I'm like, shoot, yeah. It was almost like a challenge. And they started letting me cover Cowboys training camp in 1980, the summer of 1980. They let me cover Ranger spring training the following year, 1981, all the way. I mean, I covered, I've covered like 30 some Cowboys training camps. Jerry might've just passed me recently, but I've covered <laughs> all those training camps and um, Super Bowls, World Series, Final Fours, NBA Finals, the Olympics. They would say, can you cover this? And I'd say, yes, and I'd knock it out. So I'm getting the best of both worlds because I'm on a music station too. So all the different you know, recording artists and entertainers would come through and I'm going to all the concerts and stuff free backstage. Um, if it's a movie star coming through for an interview, I was doing the interview with them, with the morning shows, first with Tom Joyner, then with Skip Murphy and company. So I got a chance to meet all kinds of iconic people. And uh, on the radio, on the thing I do called CA Stories Confidential, I always tell the different stories about how sometimes those two worlds interconnected. You know, like uh, I just go down the list as, I got snuck Everson Walls and Michael Irvin out of Cowboys training camp one summer to go to a Magic Johnson after party where Michael Jordan and Spike Lee and Eddie Murphy and the most beautiful women in the world were. I mean, that's just one story, mm-hmm. let alone all. The, and this was after a Magic Johnson summertime all-star game. And you talk about NBA, like I had basically the dream team over at Roger Staubach's house raising money for charity and a in a game of horse like three years in a row. Me and Spud Webb did that because Spud used to have a summertime All-Star game. So I was able to make friendships and relationships with sports figures across the board through all these years. And primarily because I would always keep it real with them. I'm like, y'all know what I do for a living. I'm on the radio, I'm in the media. I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about, but you know, I'm only going to dog you out if you do something wrong. But I'm also going to try to be as fair as possible. So anytime... Someone says, well, I'm a journalist and I'm not going to have any kind of relationship with sports figures. Well, then guess what? You're lying to yourself and your listeners or your viewers because the best journalists have relationships and contacts. That's how they have context to what they're talking about. That's how you can believe they know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, That is amazing. Michael Irvin, one of my favorite players of all time. Won't even get into that because we're definitely supposed to stay on the basketball side. But we have radio royalty here, a radio legend with us today, Hoop Ball Mavericks. We appreciate you so much. 
We love it. Um, before we get into things, let me give you guys a little bit of insight on our HoopBall promo. This is a huge, huge week for everyone at HoopBall because all of our 2021 NBA preseason products are finally for sale. Stick with us here because there's a lot to go over, but we almost never push our HoopBall products. And this is the window during the year where we need to power the engine. Here's what's out. The draft guide. Everyone should have it. If you're playing fantasy, DFS, this is for you. This is our flagship, our shining beacon, the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. You guys should have seen that. We've been posting it everywhere. If you don't know about the Brewski 150, you need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years. And new for this year, HoopBall is unveiling our monthly membership pass. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, the all the also new DFS pass, and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS pass is also available on its own if that's your thing. We have the new wager pass for sports bettors who want to pick and analysis, and we have the HoopBall 360. This thing has all the stuff above, plus even earlier access, access to the Brewski 150, head over to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopballfantasy on Twitter now. Now and learn more. Get yours. Okay, Chris. So yes. <clears throat> for the first two preseason games, just from your eyes, because for me, I feel like, I feel like the Mavericks look a lot more assertive defensively. I like the tenacity they, they've played with. Although the first game they came out a little lethargic, it didn't seem as if they were, I won't say they weren't as into it, but maybe they just didn't have, maybe they were still working off of preseason legs. The second unit looked a little better to me, but for you, how have the Mavericks looked so far in these first two preseason games? They look fantastic to me. Now, mind you, it's just preseason and we have no idea how much of this is going to translate into regular season play and how Rick does his rotations. And Rick is such a, a great in-game coach that he will always do matchups. But for matching up with the Milwaukee Bucks, and by the way, we we have no idea how the Milwaukee Bucks coaching staff was looking at their personnel as well. So you can't really judge by a final score. I'm just judging by what I saw and what it looked like. But yes, they looked very, very good. In fact, um, what I was really impressed with is what everybody saw last night, in particular, Josh Richardson uh, with Luka Doncic. Man, that's a good-looking good-looking combination right there. Luca's only weaponizing everybody around him. Just for context, Dwight Powell is the most effective rim runner in the NBA. A lot of Mavericks fans may not be aware of that. They just think he's a good guy. No, he is the most efficient rim runner in the NBA. Look at the analytics, mm. which means he and Dwight, he and uh, Luka Doncic have the most devastating pick and roll in the NBA. This what this is what it means for the for the uh, for the Dallas Mavericks offense, and I'm just using this for an example on how Luca is being weaponized. Defensive coordinators have to account for Dwight Powell. You cannot just assume, okay, when he sets a pick, that he's that Luca's not going to just give it to him because it's going to turn into a dunk or a layup. He's that efficient, so they have to rotate their defenses. They have to account for him. They just can't leave him open, which means. Luca will find somebody else open or Luca will just drive to the basket, which means you have weaponized 
the man with the ball in his hands more often. You've weaponized the guy that a lot of people think may be the MVP of the league this season. And that's just one guy. I mentioned Powell, Dorian Finley-Smith, top five efficient player offensively in the NBA. Why? Because of Luka. Now look what happens with Josh Richardson, who not only can play defense, but now he's going to be able to hit his three-point shot off. You already know about uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Last year, he became one of the most efficient catch-and-shoot guards in the NBA. He didn't have that. He used to have to always create a shot with the uh, New York Knicks and with Atlanta. And when he first came to the Mavericks, they had him coming off the bench where he was having to create his own shot. When he doesn't have to dribble, he's more of a weapon. And that's because of Luka Doncic. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I really liked what I saw from them. We knew what we'd get offensively, but you know, it's hard to it's hard to match last year being the 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 most efficient and the most highly rated offense of all time. I mean, their offensive rating was the best ever. You can't go anywhere but down from there, even if they drop down to four or five with the new defensive additions that, you know, they're trying to make more of an effort to to get stops while also maintaining a high level of offense. You know, you can't beat that. I mean, you're playing at that high of a level and to come down just a little bit, just to sacrifice for the defensive end can pay off big this season. I really like what I've seen from Josh Richardson. As you mentioned, Luca still looks like Luca, even though they did speak. What are your thoughts? So it was it kind of came out last night that some people think Luca looks a little pudgy and maybe not in shape. And then he came out and said himself you know, I'm not in the best of shape right now. And I've never been a muscular guy, even though that I don't think people were necessarily looking for muscular, more so just looking in shape per se. What are your thoughts? Did have, Does he look sluggish or does he, does he look a little out of shape to you watching him play? No, everybody's worried about that. I got two words for you. Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry Bird. That's all I got to say. And if you don't know anything about Larry Bird other than the stats or, or you better look up a highlight reel of Larry Bird breaking people's ankles and Larry Bird dunking on people. I remember when Luca first got here, six, seven, I was telling people, Luca will dunk on your head. Mm-hmm. And crickets, they didn't want to believe it because they didn't, had, hadn't seen him before. I'm talking about different talk show hosts and different people I was um, getting phone calls from. I was like, y'all act like he can't dunk. He can dunk. And they, they, they're just, you, you, they, people want to stereotype players, right? I'm only going down this path because nobody says he has to look muscular. Mm-hmm. You see what you get. Being, being chunky does not mean he's out of shape. Being chunky does not mean he's sluggish. Now, if you want him to be muscular, well, maybe uh, he'll get better eating habits. But I'm not concerned about that because, two words, Larry Bird. Larry Bird never looked like he was in shape. He wasn't chunky, but he, he never looked like he lifted a weight. Now, I'll give you another example. Look at Christoph Porzingis. Christoph Porzingis, when he first came to the NBA, he was rail thin, like mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. When he got his knee injured, dunking on Giannis, I don't know if you knew that. He got his knee injured as a Nick, dunking on the Greek freak. They both fell on the, fell on the floor in a pile. That tore up his knee. And that's when he and his trainers from Spain decided to reinvent his body for the rigors of the punishment of the NBA. And he got started lifting weights and became, he became muscular. He was thin like KD. You know, KD is not muscular. Mm-hmm. KD is the person who nicknamed uh, KP 
the unicorn. And that being said, you cannot just go by body type and say, well, this guy, he could be in better shape. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, I agree. I, and and for me, I think that I, I think it, you can bring it into question if his if his level of play starts to decline. But we haven't seen that. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. He is, you know what it is. You know what it is. What it is is. You know, people love team building. Team building is a sport. So there are people who are like rubbing their hands together and saying, ooh, as mad scientists, how can we maximize Luca's ability? Well, if he was in better shape, that's where that comes from. <laughs> and that definitely could be the case. But I, I could make an, make an argument for most people that are feeling like that is this year he might, he might look even better because, for one, with all the wings they've acquired, they should yep. have plenty of plenty enough people at their disposal to help him on the defensive end so he shouldn't have as much defensive responsibility which should only help him on the offensive end where they will need him all season long as their primary playmaker and scorer so I don't know if it necessarily matters if he's in I don't think he needs to be in better shape he can literally be the same guy he was last year and long as he comes in ready to play, obviously you want the efficiency to get better. You want his late game free throw shooting to get better and his three point percentage to be better. But those are percentage type of things. Those aren't necessarily directly related to his health, which I think should be fine. Because like you said, you, you've named several guys who may, maybe for some reason or another, someone has questioned their body type and it has not affected them at all. They've been some of the greatest players we've seen and some of the most talented players we've seen. So I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I think it's a lot to do about nothing, trying to make more headlines for things that maybe don't need to be there. I have no qualms about how he's going to look coming into this season. I'm going to put it to you like this. Anybody that's concerned about what he looks like, they are body shaming him as a nitpick. It is pure nitpick. <laughs> the two areas he needs to improve his game are this. It's not about being in efficient shape and being muscular. That's BS to me. That has nothing to do with anything. You saw what he did. And it's, it's like you said, it's not like he's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. He's exactly. just, that's what his body looks like. Yep. That being said, this is the two areas where he needs improvement to really get that MVP and take this t- team somewhere deeper to the playoffs he's got to make those free throws he's got and not just late game we're talking about period overall he's got to punish these teams when they beat him up if he doesn't make his free throws you will notice him not driving the basket late in the fourth quarter because he doesn't want to have to sit at the free throw line and give the game away the other area where he's got to do better he's got to be more selective with his drive back three with a step back three he can hit this step back three here and there, and he does it a lot at the end of quarters, and he did one to uh, win a game in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Ironically, that is the first time in his NBA short career he has ever won a game on a shot at the buzzer, ever. He had won his rookie year with the center game in the overtime in Portland, but he's never won a game on a step back three in his NBA career, two years in. So that was a nice little move. But more importantly, I can't even tell you how many times where he would do a step back three when the other team was, you know, this last season, it was an adventure because they did not know how to hold on to a lead. They were learning to close out games. And I think it was 30 something games they lost the lead in at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. That being said, I would watch him take these step back threes out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I saw the same thing with Kobe Bryant when he was a rookie. 
Kobe would take threes in the playoffs that made no sense. So you just have to learn. But if he uh, does a better job being selective on his step back threes and he punishes teams with his free throws, you're really going to see market improvement in him, let alone the fact that his cast has become better defenders and that allows him not to worry as much about his man. Totally agreed. And he gets to the free throw line entirely too much to be a under 80% free throw shooter because that'll make everything much better, especially for a guy who's constantly looking for contact, going to the basket, making over 80% of his free throws. You know, some of those, an argument can be made, some of those games that they may have lost last year, maybe they don't lose them if he's a knockdown um, free throw shooter. So yes, I totally agree. As long as he gets that going this year, that should make this offense even better because that'll be able to, they'll be able to control games early and control games late with his ability to get to the free throw line. <clears throat> you you spoke on it a little, little bit initially talking about how the Mavs look, and I wanted to speak to you about the new additions. I mean, it can, it's yeah. new additions, whether it feels free agency or rookies. You spoke on Josh Richardson. We definitely like what we see there out of him. I think the floor is going to be open for him to take a lot better um, shot selection than he was in Philly where the, the court was pretty much shrunken down because they didn't have any spacing. And a lot of times he had to create on his own, but Correct. we also have, you know, Dwight Powell can be, you can say that he's not necessarily a new addition, but he's a welcome back addition to what they were doing last year. A guy who went down that could have been a huge help, but then you also have the rookies and uh, Tyler Bay, Tyrell Terry, you got Jalen Brunson back, but then you also add a guy like James Johnson. Speak to me about the new additions and the rookies and some of the injured guys coming back. How do you feel that they will mesh with this team coming into the year? Because that's what I've been kind of looking at is some of the personnel groupings throughout these first two preseason games and seeing how these guys can mesh. Okay, your starters are probably going to be initially uh, Luka Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, Maxi Kleber or Dodo, Dorian Finney-Smith, they're interchangeable, and Dwight Powell. Christos Przingis is going to start playing sooner rather than later because he's basically back. They just want to make sure they're, you know, there ain't no need to rush it. He just had this surgery on his uh, meniscus. By the way, you know how he got that meniscus tear. You know exactly how he got it? What happened? I'm really upset about this. Do you know? I saw, I, I, I don't know exactly when it happened. I, I remember the game in the playoffs and then he came back and, and it let was. Me, let me tell you, Lawrence, let me tell you. It was game one of the playoffs against the Clippers. In game one, this is the same game, of course, that he was defending Luka in. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Marcus Morris. Yep. Earlier in that game, Marcus Morris fell on him on purpose, grabbing a rebound, and they both fell on the ground. That's when he tore the meniscus. Later in the game, Marcus Morris, on his tear, decided – I'm talking about tear of, of her injuring players. He decides to step on Luca's ankle. And that's when Porzingis jumped in the middle of them, right? They got to arguing. And, and Porzingis got ejected because that was the second tech on him. The first one was a bogus tech on a block shot he had made. He winds up being suspended for game two. He comes back and plays on it on game three, throws up about 26 points. Game three, he can't play. Game four, he can't play. Game five, he can't play. All right, I think, well, I'm sorry, he played game four. Couldn't have game, playing game five game in game six. And they would not say what the injury was. And there were different people questioning him, questioning his, his desire or his heart or his toughness 
the way they were doing KD with the Golden State Warriors. The reason they would not disclose what his injury was is because Marcus Morris was going to still go after it, just like he kept going after Luka and finally got his behind tossed. So Marcus Morris injured him, just like he accidentally got injured when he dunked on Giannis. He is not an injury-prone player. Those were both contact injuries that could happen to anybody. Now, back to uh, his health. He's going to be fine. Are they going to load manage him like they did last year? I doubt it. They might start off that way, but I doubt it. And maybe they might do it a little bit because the uh, season is shortened, but it's not like he needs it like Kawhi. You follow me? Mm -hmm. And so the guy to me you need to watch out for is Luka. He gets punished going to the lane. He gets punished going to the lane. You saw that ankle. The reason Marcus Morris went after it in the playoffs is because that's what messed him up in February and messed him up in December. You you see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. Absolutely. People are overly concerned about Porzingis, when to me, you should be watching out Luca's health. I want him to stay healthy, but I'm looking at his ankles because that's what he missed. Look, Luca played 61 games last year out of 75. Guess how many Porzingis played? 59. And Porzingis was the one that was load managed. Hmm. So this telling me, you better be careful making assumptions about Porzingis and not having any concern at all about Luca. Now back to the the depth chart and the, the young guys. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Porzingis is going to be the starter, and Powell will probably start with him uh, at, at, at the uh, center position so that Porzingis can spread the floor. Your depth chart looks like this. You got Jalen Brunson leading that second unit, and you got Josh Green, who's going to learn to see what Josh Richardson is doing. I really right? like him. I really like him. Oh, everybody does. The kid from Australia, he's got that length. He plays defense, hard defense, and he can shoot a three. If he emulates Josh Richardson, he'll be just fine. Then you got um, – you can also, like I said, just slide in um, um, the the kid from Colorado. Tyler um, Yes. You can slide him in. Yeah, he's going to have a two-way contract back and forth to Frisco, but you can slide him in at any time. By the way, backing up Dwight Powell at center is going to be Willie Colley-Stein, who can also play the four. All these guys are interchangeables. These three and D guys, they're four and D with Carlisle. You follow me? And yep. James Johnson, he's going to get his minutes, but ain't nobody counting his minutes, and he's not either because, as Willie Colley-Stein said, he goes everywhere with his own don't F with him code. He <laughs> yep. is the enforcer. He is the bodyguard. He is the one that's going to neutralize any Marcus Morris or anybody's antics. This is no different than a hockey goon. You got to protect your best players with somebody that everybody knows. Don't go there. It's like in baseball. We will plunk you. If you plunk us, we will plunk you. <laughs> yeah, I don't see too many people trying uh, Luca this year with James Johnson sitting over there. Absolutely. James Johnson will be seeing as many minutes as Boban. And it put it like this, you will be using him if the game gets uh, testy or if you're going up against a team that's got a, a, a rough mentality. But what you're going to see with this Mavericks roster is this. They purposely got these guys knowing what they could use, do to weaponize Luka, but more importantly, knowing they got to make their defense top 10. But the size of the defense, notice they didn't get a bunch of bigs. They looked at what the Lakers rolled out against Miami in the NBA Finals. Notice the Lakers did not use their bigs. They didn't. And notice who 
they said goodbye to. They told Dwight, it was nice. Here's your ring. You can go to Philadelphia. They told uh, um, Jalen McGee, I mean, J, uh, J, uh, you know, JaVale McGee, yeah. thanks, J, uh, JaVale. Here's another ring for you. Thank you. Bye. And they know that the better lot, better max, uh, their biggest guy is now Anthony Davis. So for the Dallas Mavericks, you got Bill Bond if you need him. You, you got James Johnson, who's not a center, but you don't, all these other guys, these are like uh, four and, and, and D. Three and D, four and D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, defensive versatility is the name of the game now. And so they knew exactly what they were doing when they went and got these guys, guys that can switch out on ball screens, can play on the perimeter defensively, can get back. Um, Cause you definitely don't want a situation like last year where so many guys were just playing up defensively. You got Maxi Cleaver trying to guard, uh, Kawhi Leonard or, or chasing around Paul George and, and as a result it zapped his legs offensively he couldn't shoot because he has so yeah. much, he's taking so much load on the defensive end that it's hurting him on the offensive end and then you got guys you got to bring in Bobin he's got to guard a, a, a perimeter guy to some extent and then you also have you know they really only had Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxie as guys who were known for defense everyone else were offensively oriented so I, I, I totally agree. Bringing in all of those wings. And I think there, there, there might not be a lot of playoff. I mean, a lot of uh, regular season minutes for James Johnson, but I can definitely see him situationally coming in, in the playoffs, having to defend a bigger wing or having to defend a four guy exactly. because he can definitely do that. They, that's where I think he's most valuable is once it becomes playoff time as opposed to regular season. But then you get a guy like hopefully uh, Tyler Bay season enough to be playing by then. I like what I've seen out of him. But again, all of these guys are just it's just the fact that they're rookies and Josh Green the same way. I, I, I admit I've talked to Hootball Mavericks and Mavs Nation en- enough. They know that I was a bigger Desmond Bain fan coming into the season. A lot of people were. But I, I've been I've been and, and even going back because I like Arizona. So I saw him play. I knew he could make the corner three. He makes it in the high 30s. That's something he showed last night. But I also saw his cutting ability, which he's really good at. That will help a lot. And that will be open a lot with the way they space the floor. Um, I, he's just he's impressed me. I didn't. I, it wasn't that I disliked him when they selected him in the draft. It was just that I felt like there were guys that were a little more equipped to come play. Um, and, and help but that's why the front office is who they are they've done their due diligence and they understand what they were getting and I knew it was more of a defensive angle but he can definitely develop on the offensive end as well it's not as if he's a total project offensively he's just he, exactly. he's just he's just an unseasoned uh, player when it comes to that end but he can he can shoot the ball he can get to the he can get to the cup and he has great size. So I like what he's offered. I like the way he's looked so far. And I think both of those guys could end up being at some point useful in some capacity. There won't be a ton of minutes for each of them, but I really like what I've seen from them so far. OK, so there's a couple other guys we didn't say anything about. You already know Jalen Brunson is 100 percent back. He's going to back up Luca. Behind him, you got Trey Burke. Trey Burke is going to play a lot because you saw what he did in the bubble. He was so good. J.J. did not get to play. All those minutes he he played, those were going to be J.J.'s minutes, the minutes of experience because they didn't have Jalen Brunson in that bubble. The rookie they got from Stanford, Tyrell Taylor, I said from the time they got him, he is a Trey Young starter kid. He's the most, uh, he's the most effective shooter, the best shooter in the draft. He's a little guy like Trey Young, and 
he's very, very smart. That's Carlisle's Carlisle's been saying that he's got this high basketball IQ, which is what Jalen Brunson has, which is what allows Rick Carlisle to trust quarterbacks to run his team. Now, Tyler, Tyrell Terry, Ty Terry is not going to be running the team that much. I mean, he will, but it's going to be backups and spot minutes. He's just a rookie, but he will be able to score. He's going to give you some of those Seth Curry points that you've been missing, but you won't be having to worry about missing Seth very long because in all seriousness, Josh Richardson is going to be better. And as you mentioned, uh, so will Dodo. His legs won't be tired and he'll be able to hit that three the way you've been wanting. And I think that Dwight Powell has also been working on his three-pointer while he was uh, overcoming his Achilles. So I still expect them to have that high-octane offense, but now you add to a top-ten defense. Even the Golden State Warriors, when they won those championships, they low-key had a top-ten defense. So Maverick fans should be thrilled. We just have to let it play out. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And I think even if the defense doesn't improve greatly, I think what they have improved on is, is late in games, they can they can count on getting stops because they have guys that are well-equipped to get exactly. stops. Um, so lastly, so we have what improvements would you like to see and what are you most excited about for this Maverick season? Because they play, obviously they have one more uh, preseason game on Thursday and that will be against the T-Wolves. We might, I mean, I don't know if they're going to play the starters heavy minutes or not, but just from what you've seen, what would you like to see improved upon and what are you most excited about coming up into this season? Um, I'm looking forward to when some normalcy happens, maybe before the playoffs, uh, all the fans will be able to come in like normal. The vaccine will be readily available by April with everybody. And I think, you know, I think there's a really good chance that you could have the normal American Airlines Center home crowd advantage. I also think on the floor, uh, I'm looking forward to KP Porzingis getting back sooner rather than later. And I'm still not going to be disturbed or destroyed if the Mavericks start the season 0-3 at Phoenix, a team that always gives them problems no matter who's on the roster. I mean, for the last four years, we have major problems beating the Phoenix Suns. No matter what the roster is, no matter how sorry the Suns are supposed to be, now they got CP3. Then you got to play the Lakers on the Christmas Day matchup, LeBron versus Luka. That could be 0-2. The follow-up is at the Clippers, so they could easily be 0-3 without Porzingis, and I would not be mad. I just want to see a close game. I want to see some effort. I want to see, you know, some things that makes me realize, okay, Rick's looking at some guys and trying out some things because, number one, there was no real preseason. There was no real training camp. And more importantly for these rookies, there was no Las Vegas Summer League. So what you're looking at is basically on-the-job training. And that does not mean this is the same team you're going to see come March or come April when they announce the rest of the season. So that being said, everybody who's judging or trying to evaluate all bets are off. This is not normal. And because all bets are off, anything's possible. All I know is the end product is going to be completely different than the way the start starts. I and mean, I just want Christmas night to be a lot of fun, too. Let, let the fans get, get excited about a, a Christmas night matchup. Yeah, I, I definitely I'm, I'm rolling with everything you just said. The only improvements I want to see, I, I'm really just invested in seeing some of the younger guys. I'm, I want to see how Josh Green evolves throughout the season, see if Tyler Bay can get into the rotation. 
Tyro Terry, it'll be hard for him too because I know they're going to play Burke and Brunson off the bench a lot, and it's just hard to squeeze in minutes there. But it would be great to see him um, maybe get a shot. And I know it's a long shot, long shot, and it, a lot would have to happen for this guy to have a pathway to minutes. But I really like how Nate Hinton has showed I was a big fan of his at Houston. I thought them getting him was a sneaky pickup. He'll probably be playing a lot of G League this year. But him being with the Mavericks, and, and a, they're just known as a team that maximizes talent, and they're good at player development, and their complementary pieces are always guys that just seemingly fit what the Mavericks want to do. So I think they did a really good job of getting some of those guys. So I'll definitely be keeping track of them. And then it's just as far as excitement. Yeah, there's nothing like having a home crowd. And Dallas has a great home crowd. So if that's something that they get, they can have this season, that will be greatly beneficial. On top of the fact that I just want to see, I want to see Porzingis back a full healthy season with no real, no low management or trying to get his legs. I just want to see him at his highest apex with this team to see exactly what they can do. And speaking of which, how far do you think they can go? I think I, I have them pegged as a four or five seed, and I think that they can definitely get to the second round. But I think in, in basketball, it's much like boxing style makes fights. So until it gets to that point, I think it'll determine that from there, it will determine be determined by who they face. But I think they're definitely a second round team as they're currently constructed. How about you? I think the entire organization would be disappointed if they did not get out of the first round, barring any uh, injuries going into the playoffs. And when I say injuries, I'm even throwing in some COVID because notice we haven't talked about that. That mm -hmm. might affect how many players you see play, how long they play, what rotations look like, uh, how many victories or losses the teams have. You have no idea. If it wasn't for COVID, Baltimore Ravens might have a better record. I'm just using one team as an example. You just don't know. And the reason we have to include that into the mix is because the NBA and the NHL were the only leagues that went to bubbles. The NBA and the NHL never had one outbreak or one individual get COVID. But at the same time, now they're traveling like the NFL and traveling like Major League Baseball. And every team in all of those sports had somebody go down with COVID. Even though the vaccine is going to be available right now, it is. That doesn't mean all of these players are going to get the vaccine or who's who's going to get it first. You know, everybody's not going to get that Trump cocktail. So just be <laughs> aware that could also play into what teams look like. And so I'm not going to be the one to, you know, double down and say, well, yeah, the Mavericks supposed to be. You don't know. 2020 and 2021 is going to be all bets off. I just like what they look like on paper, and I want to see growth. I'm, I'm with you, though. Four or five, I'd be happy with that. And I think everybody would be totally disappointed if they don't get out the first round. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, that's a really big key is what you just said with COVID. COVID is basically like an injury right now. I mean, if you're out with COVID, that's no different than being out with a sprained ankle. So if they're having issues with that and they have a uh, you know an outbreak on the team, one of the good, you know, unfortunate for anyone, we definitely don't want anyone to catch it. But if there's a team that's equipped to handle it, it's the Mavericks. They look extremely deep right now. Ha they can go two or three guys deep at every position. Obviously, if you lose a Luka, there's no replacing him. Porzingis, exactly. they've managed without him. But in terms of all of their complementary pieces, they have plenty of those guys at their disposal that they can plug in 
and get value from in some capacity throughout the year because I'm I would imagine that every team will deal with their little bit of adversity whether if it's a injury or if it's COVID related so so I definitely agree with you there um, oh, I would say this you just brought up an interesting point the Mavericks were fortunate last year in two ways because when Luca was out with his injuries Porzingis was healthy and you got to see Porzingis flourish and realize he could carry that load. You might not have ever known that had Luca never. At the same time, you also found out you what your. Absolutely, absolutely, um, totally agree. And that, that's the benefit of having two stars because if one's out, whether if it's load management or injury, you still got a guy that can carry the load and uh, keep the train moving. So. I, I I'm totally on board with that. And hopefully they get Chris steps back and, and he's fully there so that if in fact anything does happen, you have one of those two guys that can, that can keep everything moving and they don't have to, you know, lose too many games or lose any ground due to injury or COVID. So, sir. So I, I definitely agree with you there, but Chris, we, we loved having you on Mavs nation, Hootball Mavericks. You guys heard it from a legend as a guy who aspires to be, anything close to what Chris is because that's a high bar, but this is something oh, man. we wanted to do. <laughs> something I definitely want to do. Definitely. I, you know, I love podcasting. I love radio. Um, and just, I I've been following you for a long time, so it's a pleasure having you. And it was great for you to, um, to allow us a little time to speak on the Mavericks and, and, you know, who better to get it from than a guy who's right there and has his post on the team. So I love it. Um, Again, you guys can catch me um, at Hootball Ma- Hoot Mavericks, and that's Hootball Mavs at Hootball Mavs, and at LB Said It on Twitter. That's at LB Said It, S A I D I T. I always will be, you know, live tweeting games, following up. Obviously, we have the podcast going that will continue from here till eternity. But where can everyone find you, Chris? On Twitter at Mr. Chris Arnold and Instagram at Mr. Chris Arnold, LinkedIn at Mr. Chris Arnold, Facebook Chris Arnold, and Absolutely. you can always hear me on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, weekends popping on sometimes during the week with nosebleeds or the G Bag Nation. So I try to be ubiquitous. I'm all there for everybody. I appreciate all the love. It there's no me without you. Absolutely. Um, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy holidays. I'll definitely be in contact. We want to have you back. We want to have you back about about uh, about these Mavericks as we go throughout the season. And I'll definitely catch up with you. I'll have to make sure that um, I got all your follows everywhere you are. I'll um, reach back out to you again to make sure that we are both following each other. And yes, Mavericks Nation, Hootball Mavs, we will definitely have Chris back because there's not many better to talk to about the Mavericks. Everyone have a great day. Um, We have the Mavericks again upcoming on Thursday against the T-Wolves at 530 and we'll follow that up and I'll speak to you about what we have there and then we'll get rolling into the regular season. So everyone enjoy. Chris, thanks for having you. Got you down. All righty. Talk to you guys later.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.